good morning. The Lord is risen. He's risen indeed. Happy Easter Sunday. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here with us on this Easter Sunday morning. We want to welcome any visitors, family members, guests that we may have here with us today. Uh, we want to welcome Adam White, who is here playing trumpet with us again today. Uh, we are proud of Adam as uh, he has decided that this fall he will be attending Columbus State University on a full scholarship for grad school. And so, Adam, we welcome you here today and we congratulate you on your, your journey in the future. Um, our Easter lilies that are here placed in our sanctuary this morning um, are in memory and honor of loved ones in our church, in our community. They are your loved ones, um, and so we want to take notice of the beautiful lilies that are in our sanctuary this morning. Uh, next Sunday, we are excited to do something that our church has not done in quite a while. We're excited to have renewal services. Uh, Reverend John Broom will be with us from South Africa. Uh, he will be joining us uh, next Sunday morning for our worship service, and he will also be here uh, next Sunday evening at 7 o'clock as well. Uh, the renewal services will also be taking place Monday through Wednesday, that's April 24th through 26th, uh, at 7 o'clock each night. And so we certainly invite all of you to come and to be a part of those renewal services. We are glad that you are here with us today. We are excited to celebrate Easter together. We hope you have a great rest of your day at the conclusion of our service. And my prayer for each of us is that we would prepare our hearts for worship this morning. He is alive. Psalms 118 verses 1 and 21 through 24. Give thanks to the Lord because he is good. His faithful love continues forever. Lord, I will give thanks to you because you answered me. You have saved me. These stone the builders didn't accept has become the most important stone of all. The Lord has done it. It is wonderful in our eyes. The Lord has done it on this day. Let us be joyful today and be glad.
invite the children to come forward for lesson on the steps and join us here. My goodness, we need to have an Easter parade today. Look at all the bow ties and the britches. And Will, you took off your hat. Oh my goodness. Come here and let me work on it here. All right. How many of you really understand about today? What was today this morning? It's Easter. And this morning in Sunday school, some of us talked about things that we remember about Easter. And I want to show you this picture. What is this picture? It's a picture of Jesus, isn't it? And what's he doing? Or what's happening to Jesus? He's getting nailed to the cross. We have a cross on our Lord's Supper table. It's not quite the same, but it is a symbol that we need to remember about Easter. But what makes this morning so special? What's another symbol of Easter that we sometimes don't think about so much, but it makes us remember why we celebrate today? Jesus came alive, but what is this a symbol of? What is this? The stone. The stone. And what happened to the stone? It moved and went away. And who was, in the, who was inside here? Jesus. Jesus. And his, who is the reason we celebrate this morning? Jesus. And where is Jesus today? He's in heaven. But what happened to him today that makes it so special? What do we sing? He is risen. He is alive. Where is he today? He's in our heart, isn't he? He takes care of us every single day, doesn't he? Well, I have another symbol, and it's a sweet symbol. Braxton, can you hand me that? Ooh, M&Ms. Mm-hmm. All right. I want each one of you. Can you help me, Will? All right, hold your hand out. Now, don't eat it yet, and I'm not going to tell you you can't eat it. Just don't eat it yet, okay? All right, everybody get an M&M. Pass it around. It doesn't matter what color, but everybody needs an M&M. Come here, Jim, James. You can start this bag. Okay? All right, you get one and then you give it to Hayden. Okay, go right there with the blue shirt because we're going to run out. Did you get one? Where is it? You didn't get one? All right, go back to Hayden and get you an M&M. Bring me one too because I forgot mine. All right, everybody got one in your hand? All right, it's coming. Okay, come here. We'll use ours together. How about that? Will you help me with it? Okay, hold up your hand. Put your M&M in your hand. Everybody put their M&M in their hand where you can see the letter. All right. Did you already eat yours? Okay, all right. All right, everybody got one? All right. I want you to look at that letter. And what letter is that? Yeah. All right, now I want you to turn it to look like an E. Can you turn? <laughs> All right, come on. You can do it. Turn it to look like an E. All right. The E on your M&M is going to now stand for Easter Sunday. What about that? We celebrate today because Jesus is alive. All right, now turn your E so that it looks like an M. All right, that is for the mercy that Jesus gives us and the miracles that God performs. So you didn't know M&Ms meant that much, didn't you? All right, turn it again so it looks like a three. One letter, and look at all these things you're going to be able to remember about eating an M&M. Three days, and what happened? He rose from the dead. Thank you, Braxton. He rose from the dead. All right, now turn it up to look like a W. Now you have turned that M&M all the way around, and now we have a W. And that means today is the day we should worship the Lord. This is the day that he gave us. It doesn't matter if it's Easter Sunday or any day. This is the day the Lord has given us 
Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us pray. Lord, on this special day, when your Son has risen from the dead and given us life and joy and reason to celebrate, Lord, I ask that in our celebration we don't forget why. Because you are the reason. Lord, bless these children, bless their families, bless this church. Every day should be a day to celebrate. But we especially celebrate you today, Lord. Keep us safe. Remember why we're here. Remember that you are in our hearts and that you protect us every day and that we have to trust. It's in your son's name, Jesus, that we ask these things. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Thank you, Ellen, and thank you, choir, and Braxton. Braxton's already went out the door. You guys tell him that I said thanks. What a great way to start off the service today. He is alive. And we are glad that you're here today for Easter service here at Bowling Springs Baptist. Um, the other, w, the other thing that I was thinking about with the M&M, &M, you turn that um, M upside down, you've got the W there, but uh, wash, and Jesus has washed away our sins is another uh, letter that I was thinking about. But again, we are glad that you're here. Before I pray today, I want to take just a moment to mention a few things. Uh, Jeremiah 31, 25, the Lord tells Jeremiah, I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. This is a great morning, Easter Sunday. You guys look good this morning. There's an energy in the room and excitement and the spirit of, of Christ is in the room with us. But I think all of us, many of us some in the room today could um, also say that we're kind of tired. Life has its way of sucking the energy out of us. And this morning is certainly a great day to bring that energy back to revive us. But many of you, uh, including myself, I think we all go through uh, periods of our life where we need renewal, where we need God to speak to us in new and fresh ways. And the world has its way of not only in day-to-day -day living, but also with just the, the pressures of the world and our flesh gets involved and we, we need to be renewed. We need to know and be revived in a sense of what it means to live in Christ and to walk in Christ. Next Sunday, we will begin renewal services, as Alan mentioned earlier here at Boiling Springs Baptist. We haven't had these in some time, but uh, Reverend John Broom from Cape Town, South Africa, will be crossing the ocean this week to be with us next Sunday morning. But not only next Sunday morning, but he'll be with us Sunday night through Wednesday night of next week, the 23rd through the 26th. And I invite you to join with many others that have already begun praying for these services and praying for John. We've had two groups that met in homes last week. We have two prayer groups that will meet in homes again this week at the home of Fred and Nancy Hamrick and also um, Heidi and Joel Dobbins. And so these will be opportunities for us to pray for our community, to pray for John, to pray for these services, to pray for our church family. And so I hope you will plan on being here as often and as much as possible. I know some of you at night, it's difficult. But I, again, I hope that you will plan on making every effort to be here as much as possible. Alan also mentioned that there's a 24-hour prayer. Uh, we call it prayer vigil. You may think you need to be here to pray at some point. You don't. You can uh, pick up a prayer list on the table there in the, in the office hallway, sign your name up to a, a slot there on the prayer list. Starts at 6 p.m. Friday night, goes to 6 p.m. Saturday night. Some of you don't sleep at night, I know that, and so you, would, you may want to sign up for one of those 2 or 3 a.m. Uh, times uh, for prayer. You're up, you might as well go ahead and pray. So um, be mindful of that. Uh, you can sign up on that this week or also call the church office, and we'll be glad to do that. John has prepared a short video that I want to show you guys as a way to reintroduce himself to uh, many of you. Again, he was with us. Um, in the late 90s. Some of you remember um, him from then, but uh, he has a, a, a message for you and for us this Sunday in relation to these, in relationship to these renewal services. So let's show that at this time. Good morning, Boiling Springs family, on this glorious Easter morning. Elaine and I can hardly wait to be with you next Sunday as we begin our series in spiritual renewal. We've been praying for many weeks now, every day in fact, for times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. The psalmist cries out, Will you not revive us again, O Lord, that your people may rejoice in you? In Psalm 85, God shows that revival removes his displeasure from his people. His presence is restored. His love flows like a river. 
and his voice is heard again, and his glory fills the land. When God brings revival, churches are blessed, relationships are healed, sins are forgiven, people are saved, and prodigals come home. So in the words of the prophet Hosea, come, let us return to the Lord with all our heart. He will restore us that we may live in his manifest presence. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains and like the spring rains that water the earth. I've been preparing my own heart for our time together by working my way through a 40-day guide for spiritual renewal. On the road to revival, no sacrifice is too great. No price is too high. I'm praying that God will light a fire in boiling springs that all hell will not be able to put out. We're living in desperate days, friends. The church is the hope of the world, but only a renewed, restored and revived church can meet the need of the hour. May we truly experience today and in the coming days the power of Christ's resurrection and see the power of the gospel at work as never before. Remember, nothing is too hard for the Lord. See you then next Sunday morning, and please plan to be with us each evening as well through the series on spiritual renewal. God bless you all. So I hope you will plan on being here next Sunday as we begin those special services. Before I pray, let me mention, um, join me in prayer this coming week for Thurlin Osborne. He um, fell this week, bruised his hip. We're glad that he did not break it, but he has been at Shelby Hospital this weekend, and uh, we'll be going to a rehab facility tomorrow. And also for Marie Webb, one of our new church members uh, who has now, who's returned back to Boiling Springs Baptist. Um, she uh, had a procedure this last weekend at the hospital and is recovering this coming week. Join me in prayer. God, as we celebrate the empty tomb, we rejoice that death does not have the final victory, but rather that life, love, and goodness prevails. Lord, break open our lives to receive all the love, the forgiveness, the freedom, the renewal that you so freely give. May we allow your resurrection to make a difference in how we live. May we forever live in hope of all that is yet to be. Bless and heal and comfort those struggling physically today for Thurlin, for Marie Webb, and others at home. For those present today who are faced with decisions, we ask that you would provide guidance and wisdom in the coming days. For those overseas, missionaries, or those in uniform, we pray for your provision and your blessing. God, we ask for your blessing on John and Elaine Broom as they prepare for their time with us. Protect them as they travel across the ocean this week. Bless their time of preparations for the services and bless these services of renewal. Stir in our hearts, God, that we may all draw closer to you. We ask this prayer in the name of our risen Savior and Lord, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Our hymn is number 160, Low in the Grave He Lay, number 160. If you would, please stand and join me in singing.
Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Father, it's with grateful hearts this morning that we bow in your presence to give you thanks for this beautiful day. Father, our thoughts and our minds are turned to a time when we think about the agony that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ suffered. We thank, Father, about him being rejected by humankind. We think about the horrible scourging that he took. We think about the crown of thorns being pressed on his brow. We think about the nails being driven into his hands and feet. We think about the spear that pierced his side. We think about, Father, him being placed and sealed in a bar of tomb. But, oh God, how thankful we are that death in the grave could not hold him, that he rose victorious, and that today that he sits at your right hand. How truly grateful, Father, we need to be for that price that you paid for us through your Son. Help us, Father, when we leave from here to be a good witness of that love. My heart turns to Mary, Father, and the great love that she had for her Lord and Savior. To the point that she was willing to go in the dark of the morning to care for her Lord who had been placed in that bar tomb. And we thank, Father, that even though Jesus wasn't there, Mary was because of that love that compelled her to go. May the love, Father, that we have for your Son, may it compel us to go. That as we step out into the world, that our life would be a living testimony that we worship and that we serve a risen Savior. Bless in everything that's done, Father, here today, and may it be done to truly lift up to honor and to glorify the name of the Lord Jesus. For we make this prayer in his name. Amen.
Thank you, Adam. It's always good, great to have you with us. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to turn to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. You can find it in your pew Bible there as well. The page is listed in your bulletin, or I believe this will also be on the screen for us this morning as well. And I want to invite you to stand as I read this morning in honor of the reading of Scripture. Let's let John's words here in John 20 speak to us as we begin the sermon this morning. Early on the first, first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. But as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. In verse 11, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb and she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, let me know where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, in Hebrew Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And our focal verse this morning, verse 18, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Thank you. You may be seated. May God add his blessing to the reading and the preaching of his word this morning. Would you agree with me that there are some people who fit the category of a good storyteller? We have a few this morning. We have a few that it seems like every family has one really good storyteller in the family. Churches have good storytellers. And Boiling Springs Baptists have a few good storytellers. But I'm not going to name any names. Jerry Bryson, Melvin Lutz. Roger Humphreys, Larry McIntyre, Klein and Catherine Hamrick, Charles and Daphne Bridges, John Glenn. Okay, I need to stop. You could think of some more names this morning. If you're around these individuals for a minute, you're going to hear a story. Um, I was gracious, I was uh, grateful to hear some stories Thursday night shared around the fires as the Boston Butts were cooking, all of which those stories I cannot repeat this morning. As I said, families have these storytellers. In my family, it was my uncle Harold. Uh, he lived in uh, Burlington, North Carolina, in um, Alamance County, up above or past Greensboro. And his stories usually involved something about a tractor. You know, if he was telling a story, if I could see him off from a distance, I would walk up and I could almost bet it was something about a tractor. And sure enough, that would be the case. My dad at times could have fit the category as a good storyteller. I remember when I was a student here at Gardner-Webb and Hendersonville was experiencing a big ice storm and, and Cleveland County was getting just a little bit, but Hendersonville, Henderson County was getting slammed. It was a major ice storm. My dad worked at General Electric and as he was walking out of the plant that day, he uh, walked up to his 82 Ford F-150 and stuck the key in the switch and heard a crack. And before he knew it, a very large oak tree had fallen all around him. And he would, uh, later, he would later went back and took a picture of what had happened. And I was, it was being communicated to me over the phone when I was here on campus. And I couldn't believe it when I saw the picture. 
because, I mean, you're, you're talking, you guys know what a large oak tree looks like. And the branches, it fell probably in the first few pews here where my dad was, and large branches were surrounding my dad everywhere. He had, did have an umbrella trying to protect himself from some of the rain and ice, and uh, it had been up the umbrella. Large branches in front of him, it had fallen down the, right down the middle of his Ford F-150. And he's standing all around it, dad wasn't scratched. Dad would tell that story. He would carry around that picture in his pocket. And he did it for years after this happened and would tell story if nobody had heard that story of how God protected him from the tree that day. One of the best storytellers in recent history is someone maybe the younger generation in here maybe is not too familiar with, but you recognize the name Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey was a radio personality. And many of you know, he had a tagline that says, now you know the rest of the story. That's right. His story, um, that's why God made a farmer, I told recently at the funeral for Tom Hamrick. How appropriate. Along the same era were great storytellers like Jerry Clower and Archie Campbell and his famous bedtime stories. Um, other notable storytellers were William Shakespeare, Charles Dickens, Stephen King, and a great current storyteller that's alive today is J.K. Rowling. She wrote these little books, I don't know if you've heard of them, called Harry Potter. And uh, they are now the best-selling book series in history. But when it comes to stories at church, the most important stories are stories that we tell when our children are, are small and are growing up. We tell the story of Moses. We talk about first creation, then we introduce Abraham. We talk about later about Moses and his children. We talk about uh, the stories of the prophets. We talk about David and Solomon. And these are stories that help form our faith, help shape us into who we are. And they're stories that also lead us in to the greatest story that's ever told. The greatest story that has ever been told culminates in the text that I've read this morning, that we have read together, John 20. It's a story that is at the center of our faith. But let's back up for a moment. Stories of the Messiah, a Savior, like I said, begin in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, we learn of Jesus being born to a young virgin named Mary. Uh, modern civilization marks his birth as so important that it divides history and splits it in two. We have BC, before Christ, and we have AD, which stands for after death, or if you want to get technical, Anno Domini, or the year of our Lord. For this first 30 years, Jesus lived a traditional Jewish life, working as a carpenter. What every Jewish boy did as a young child, Jesus would do as a young child. In his 30s, Jesus began his public teaching and display of, of recorded ministries. You still never, he, yet he still never traveled more than 200 miles from his birthplace. Somebody that's affected the entire world never traveled more than 200 miles from his birthplace. Over a three-year period, despite his efforts to keep a low profile, Jesus' reputation spread nationwide. The Roman governors and rulers of Israel provinces and leaders of the Jewish people, the religious councils, took note of him. Jesus' key messages, you could quote them this morning, God loves you and is with you. Love one another as I have loved you. Jesus placed immense value on each person, male or female, young or older. We could tell stories of Jesus calling the little children. We think of James, the brother of Jesus, and him telling pure and undefiled religion before God and our Father is to visit orphans and widows. Jesus preached the good news that the kingdom of God has come to earth. And Jesus' message centered around the fact that God forgives those who ask. I don't know about you, but I need forgiveness. Many have asked, who is Jesus Christ? Jesus' most controversial act was that he repeatedly claimed to be God, which was a direct violation of the Jewish law. This is where this is what got Jesus in trouble. Jesus was abiding by the law. He kind of fudged a little bit on the Sabbath. Uh, and we can go back and look at stories about that. But the fact that Jesus claimed to be God is something that the religious leaders could not, they didn't know what to do about this. Therefore, the religious leaders asked the Roman government to execute him. In each of several uh, official trials, the Romans found that he was not guilty of breaking any Roman law, even though the Jewish leaders recognized that other than Jesus' claim to be God, Jesus followed the Jewish law perfectly. Still, the religious leaders, using the argument of political disfavor, persuaded Pilate, a Roman governor of the southern province of Israel, to authorize an execution. Jesus was brutally tortured, 
and then hung by his hands, which were nailed to a horizontal wooden beam cross. This method of execution restricted the airflow to his lungs, killing him in what scholars say around three hours. Before John 20, he is dead and buried. But in John 20, we learn more of a woman named Mary Magdalene than we have in all of Scripture up to this point. We learn her, her a little bit in chapter 19, verse 25, when she's there at the cross. But she came to the tomb early that day. Scholars tell us that it most likely was in the fourth watch of the night between 3 and 6 a.m., obviously a very dark time. She stands outside the tomb weeping. Peter and John also come, and they leave. And now as she stands looking into the tomb, weeping, two angels appear. And in chapter 20, beginning at verse 12, once again, we find these words. She saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, and it's at that point, she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me for I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father and my God and your God. And in verse 18, Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he said these things. What we know about Mary Magdalene that we uh, read about here, not only in this text, but in each of the four gospels, we know that she was from a town called Magdala, which was a town in Galilee along the Sea of Galilee. It was a wealthy town thriving with agricultural and, and fishing and shipbuilding. It was a very prosperous town, very prosperous community. Most in the town were Gentiles. The town had a reputation, though, for being worldly and wicked. Luke gives us some information on Mary, enough to make us want more. In Luke 8, we learn of Jesus, is going, Jesus going into Galilee and proclaiming good news of the kingdom of God. He adds there in Luke 8 that there were 12 with him as well as some woman who had been cured of evil spirits. Then he mentions Mary called Magdalene, from whom the scripture says seven demons had gone out. Now, we don't know exactly what these seven demons is a reference to. Often evil spirits were associated with physical disease or illness. For a long time and still today, tradition in the church made Mary Magdalene to be a harlot before Jesus came into her life. And however, the basis for this tradition is unsound. We have no evidence of this. Magdala was a wicked town, but that doesn't mean that everyone from Magdala had this horrible reputation. Also believed to be a strong possibility that the funds from Mary and her female friends helped to support Jesus and his disciples. If you go back and read Luke 8 in the first verses 2 and 3, it talks about the fact that they were well-to-do and helped finance the ministry with Jesus and his disciples. We also know of Mary Magdalene again from chapter 19, verse 25, when she is there at the cross. You know, whatever happened, whatever Jesus did in her when the scripture says he cast out the seven demons, we don't know exactly what those what, what her ailment, what her illness was. Scripture refers to it often as demons, maybe for lack of not knowing exactly what they called it, the authors called it uh, demons. But the one thing we do know about Mary is that in the midst of her grief at the tomb, the, the, excuse me, her grief at the tomb told of her love and gratitude to a savior who had helped put her life back together again. Many of you have seen the commercials. Are, are they Geico commercials? The Humpty Dumpty commercials? Is that Geico? That's been on the. It's, they're hilarious. They've got Humpty Dumpty sitting in the um, in the hospital room, you know, and he's leaking out, and he's got the the king's the horseman and standing there, you know, and he's kind of mad at him. But the rhyme Humpty Dumpty goes like this: Humpty Dumpty uh, sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. I thought about that story as I was just sitting watching the, the whatever, the commercial uh, this week, and I thought about Mary and the fact that Jesus had helped put her life back together. He helped mend those and restore Mary, so much so that now her love and devotion, she's there at the cross, and she's the first one at the tomb. 
Her love and devotion cannot be debated, cannot be argued to the Lord. But I'm thankful that we serve a God who can help put the pieces back together again of broken homes and of broken lives. Amen, church? Many of you have been through far greater challenges than I have in life, and you know you can give testimony this morning. If you had time and could speak in a small group, you would be glad to do that and give testimony of how God has helped you put the broken pieces back together again. Some of you this morning are in the midst of dealing with the brokenness. And I want to encourage you and challenge you and urge you to look to Jesus to help you, to help put the pieces back together once again. Mary just didn't just sit on the good things that Jesus did for her. She was faithfully by his side each step of his painful death, and again, the first one to the tomb. She is not only an example of a life that was broken and now restored, but she is also an example to us as she was the first one from the tomb telling others. In verse 18, she said, I have seen the Lord, and he has said these things to me. Mary told a story that we must still tell today. A story that we can and should tell with our lips, but also a story that we must tell by the way that we live out our faith. The story of resurrection, the story of change and of transformation and redemption of hope is told not only again with our lips, but by the way that we live. To me, this passage and other gospel accounts of the resurrection are proof of the, resurrections, of the resurrection itself. And let me tell you why. If the gospel writers were trying just to convince people of what had happened and coming up with a story, they would not have put a woman as being the first one to tell the story of the resurrection. It took several women to, to, to give proof of what had happened, and uh, it would not have, they would not have emphasized Mary's role and witness in the story. And the fact that the gospel writers are telling us how it happened, they include Mary as the first one to tell and to give testimony of Christ and his resurrection. Again, let me emphasize, Mary told a story that you and I must tell today. It's the greatest story that's ever been told. We must tell the story and demonstrate to others the story as Jesus included in his story, we must also include in ours. Remember those characteristics that I listed earlier? Love one another as he has loved us. We must also communi communicate the immense value of each person. We must also be bearers of the good news that God's kingdom has come to earth. And we must also forgive as God has forgiven us. The story of Jesus Christ is a story of love and of forgiveness and of hope to all humankind. Mary told the greatest story that has ever been told. I have seen the Lord. And this, not only have I seen him, this is what he has said to me. Can you and I this morning stand alongside Mary and say, I have experienced and I have seen the Lord in my own life. I've seen the Lord as a young child through loving parents. I've seen the Lord through loving teachers and mentors and people that have witnessed to me and shared Christ's love and showed Christ's love to me. I've seen it through teachers and through coaches. I've seen it through churches and ministers and fellow coworkers. I've seen it through you. I've seen it through many in our community. I've seen the Lord. And like Mary, I want to tell others what I've seen. I want to tell others, Ed, what I've experienced. I want to let them know that Jesus is real to me. When it comes to faith sharing, I've heard someone say recently, you know, if you can't remember all the different details that you were taught maybe as a child or even recently about how to share your faith, the one thing that I would encourage each of us and all, all of us to do in here when it comes to sharing the good news of God's love through Jesus Christ is to share what he's done in your life. Has, have you seen Jesus? Maybe not a physical presence, but maybe you've seen him in the lives, again, like I said, of parents and of coaches, teachers, community members, leaders at church. And are you telling others what Jesus has done in your life? You may not know all the scriptures and you may not know all the, the four spiritual laws or other things that, that we teach in the church, but you know hopefully what Jesus has done in you. And that message needs to be shared and that message needs to be communicated. This message of resurrection is a message that you and I and that the church of Jesus Christ must continue to proclaim with our words and our actions. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for each one here in this place. It is my prayer, Lord, that each one here today has come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
You tell us in 1 John that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You also tell us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Paul also tells us in Corinthians that today is the day of salvation. And Lord, I pray that if there's one here today that's never put their faith and their trust in you, God, that Lord, today would be the day of salvation. April the 16th, 2017 could be the date that a life was changed forever. Fathers, we've talked about renewal this morning. Lord, this is a great day. We, we come, we're looking good, we're feeling good. It's a great day, has a lot of energy. But Father, if we're honest, we may say that, you know, this renewal that you're talking about, I need to experience it. And Father, I pray for each one here today, Lord, that may be going through a difficult time, whether it's with a family circumstance or situation or whether it's with a coworker or a job loss or a job insecurity, Father, whatever it may be, Father, I pray that they would begin to look to you and to trust in you as never before. That, Lord, their hearts can be renewed today by walking fresh and anew with you. Father, we give you this time now of invitation. We pray that you would speak. And we pray your spirit would lead. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're gonna stand and sing all four verses of crown him with many crowns. If you've never committed your life to Christ, we invite you to do that today. Uh, if you would desire church membership here at Boiling Springs Baptist, we would invite you to come and I'll be happy to talk with you about that this morning. Let's stand and sing together. to come up at this time. Join me for the benediction. Now may the God of peace who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, may you complete in everything good 
so that you may do his will, working among us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen.